Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. All right. Well, good morning, and I appreciate you being here today. And turn in your Bible, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. We looked at Ephesians chapter 6 last week and saw uh, a very important component of uh, what it means to be a child of God and what it means to, uh, to begin to be prepared to serve God and, and to fight in the battle against Satan. And we, we looked at uh, the belt of truth last week and we talked about how uh, believers are in a war against the forces of hell and, and Paul is trying to help us to, to understand and know how to best be outfitted and prepared for the battle. And we talked about last week about all the many blessings of God and all the things that God has done to, uh, to bless our life with uh, a relationship with Him, with the, uh, with the understanding and knowledge of, of His uh, uh, the mysteries of God's word and and what it means to be a part of uh, to be a child of God and to and to have uh, 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 the truth of God's word in our life and we talked about how the belt of right uh, belt of truth was uh, what undergirded everything what what held everything together held the breastplate held the uh, uh, the the uh, cloak that went over the top of of their uh, uh, dress and, and all the things and, and how uh, the belt of truth was what they used to gird their loins. And uh, we didn't really talk about girding uh, their loins, uh, but it is throughout the Bible that, uh, that we hear whenever someone has to be ready for action, uh, they are to gird their loins. And that's not something we have to talk about or, or deal with in today's society. And so it's kind of lost on a lot of people But because uh, we wear pants. And if, uh, ladies, if you go into battle, I guarantee you, you're not going to be going into battle in a dress. You're not going to go out there in a skirt or something like that. You're going to have on pants and, and that kind of thing. But that wasn't the way in which people dressed uh, back in that day. And uh, they didn't have... Uh, pants, and so uh, what they had to do was gird their loins. When Elijah was told by God to gird his loins and to go and to run uh, and outrun uh, Ahab, what did he do? He he reached down to his uh, uh, his robe and he pulled it up uh, between his legs and put it under his belt, and that kind of made a, a makeshift pair of pants that he could then uh, run and that. That robe wouldn't get in the way and he would be able to run uh, more effectively. Whenever uh, people went into battle, they did the same thing. They girded their loins and they, uh, they took that robe and, and pulled it out up underneath uh, between their legs and put it under that belt. And it made a way for them to be able to run and to be active without that robe being in the way. And so Paul is, uh, doesn't want us to believe that uh, we are overconfident uh, and we are not to enter into the battle uh, thinking that we are able to do all things in our own power. He, he encourages us to understand the truth of God's Word, understand God's Word in our life and, and uh, apply it, and that's where the belt of truth comes in. 
And so uh, uh, Paul is helping us to be ready for battle and to, to have the resources necessary uh, that are available to every believer, uh, to have the power of God, and most importantly, to understand and know the battle is not easy. Boy, we've seen a lot of examples of that in the, in the news lately and on television just about uh, constantly, nonstop about uh, the battle that's waging in uh, 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 Ukraine and against Ukraine and Russia and how uh, the people of Ukraine are not uh, given in to the fact that, that they're defeated automatically and immediately they are standing uh, and they're being... Uh, they're working hard and they're striving to, to uphold uh, the uh, sovereignty of their nation. And they're trying to do their very utmost to, to protect their homeland. And they don't run into battle half-heartedly. They don't go into battle thinking it's a, it's a joke. They don't go into battle thinking that uh, they have everything won. That, that's the mistake of the Russians going into battle thinking that, well, everybody's going to just welcome them. Uh, they're going in there as, as liberators. They're going in there as victors already. And they're finding out that that's not the case. At least uh, up until the last moment that I heard about. It might have changed since then. I don't know. But the important thing to understand is, is that the battle for a Christian is, is, so, is a battle that is not easily won. It is not uh, something that we uh, enter into lightly. He says uh, that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. And we are able to do exceedingly abundantly uh, more than we ever believed. And why is that? Because we have the power of God in our life and we have uh, God with us. We are filled with the Spirit of God. When we accept Christ into our life, when we accept Jesus into our heart and life, we are filled with the Spirit of God and God's Spirit enables us to not only have the truth that comes, but He enables us to have the rest of the armor of God. And I've seen in some of these trends and social media and things where some people are saying, put on the full armor of the king. Excuse me, it's not the king's armor. It's not an earthly king's armor. It's the armor of God. More powerful than any king of this earth. More powerful and more regal than any king. It is the armor of God. It is not an armor that is fashioned by man, but it is the armor of God. So Paul says in verse 10 of chapter 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Putting on the armor of God is all about the strength of God and having God's power and might. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. His might is what strengthens us, not our own. It is not in the act of putting on the armor that we're strong. It's not in the act of, of putting on that armor that, that makes us to have His power. It is trusting in Him, relying upon Him, allowing Him to, uh, to fill our life and to have uh, that power, His power and His might. Put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to to breathe strong and put on the whole uh, the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says it again in verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand 
in the evil day and having done all to stand. He says, stand therefore, verse 14, uh, having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Paul is trying to help us to understand that as Christians, no matter how knowledgeable we are of the Bible, no matter how long we've studied to be uh, God's Word in Sunday school and in church, and no matter how long we've been a member of Sunday school and faithful attender of church, no matter how much we think we understand and know uh, the mysteries of God, that we are all vulnerable, that we are vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. No matter how much we know uh, and how adept we are in theology, no matter how solid we are of a foundation that we have in comprehension of God's Word, no matter how much you think you know about Scripture, you are still a possible, a potential loser in the battle. Because it is a day-to-day battle. It is not something that we win and are able to proceed on in life as though uh, we've passed a hurdle or we've uh, gone up a stage in the game. It's not as though we have accomplished a task and then we don't have to worry about it any longer. It is a day-to-day battle. It is a battle that we must strive, uh, struggle against. It is a battle that we must contend with constantly. Luke chapter uh, 14 verse 31 tells us that we should be aware of the enemy. It says, uh, Jesus is sharing a parable. He says, What king going into uh, to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he is able uh, with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is yet a great far uh, way off, he sends an ambassador and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciples. We must do our utmost to be prepared for the battle, that we must be ready for the battle. We can't just simply say, oh, there's a battle, let's go uh, out trudging it into it. We talked about the, ba- uh, the belt of truth last time, and, it's, and that's all about commitment, of being committed to being ready. You don't put on the, battle, uh, the belt and just uh, sit around and lazy around. That, that belt of truth is, is to prepare you for battle. It is to show your commitment to engage in uh, the war, the battle that is coming. It means being ready. It means being prepared. We will uh, win the battle. We'll win the battle uh, against Satan when we get serious about the battle. And there is no limit to what God can do in our life. Now the breastplate that we're talking about today is the breastplate of righteousness. He says uh, to gird up your loins. In verse 14 he says... uh, Gird your loins with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Soldiers would never go into battle without the complete armor upon them. They would never go into battle, especially without the breastplate. The breastplate is the most important, uh, one of the most important aspects of uh, the armor. 
because the breastplate protected some of the most vital organs in the body. We understand that. We know that today. Uh, when soldiers go into battle, they go in with a, a flak jacket that, that covers the same area that the breastplate does. It, it protects the heart. It protects uh, the vital organs in the body. And this is important. And the breastplate would be more than just what the area that covers like a jacket. It, it actually came down uh, and extended down longer because the vital organs to the, the mentality of the Israelite at that time was that there were two vital organs uh, that were necessary. It was the heart and the bowels. Now the heart, we understand and know, is the heart that pumps the blood, right? We, th- we understand and know how important the heart is. Without the heart, you kind of end the world of hurt, right? Uh, but the heart was not seen as uh, the blood-pumping muscle that we understand and know it to be. It was considered to be the heart of... Um, uh, uh, was where we thought, where you think... And uh, it was the the organ that that most represented the the thoughts of man, uh, and we'll get to that in a, a little bit. And the the bowels were thought of as uh, the emotions, and so uh, those were the two organs that were being protected by uh, the breastplate. And there are uh, different types of breastplates that were used. Uh, first of all, there was a breastplate made of uh, heavy linen. It uh, <coughs> is very similar to the kind of Kevlar that we uh, have in use today. It's uh, many different la- many layers of linen that was uh, stacked on top of each other, and it was meant to uh, to keep certain things from penetrating into the body. Then there was a, a another aspect of uh, the the breastplate that was uh, made of horse hooves or hooves of animals that were sliced very thin. And these sliced hooves were put on top of each other as kind of like a, uh, a covering or a protective shell. And then there was, of course, uh, a, uh, a breastplate that was made of chain mail that was uh, then another layer of protection. And then, uh, of course, there was the mel- uh, molded metal breastplate that we all think about. Even the molded metal breastplate plate had vulnerabilities. That's why uh, the other uh, breastplates, uh, aspects of the breastplate were utilized. The, uh, the heavy linen, the chain mail, was to be there as a protection because there were areas of vulnerability where uh, the arms came out and where the legs came out of the the molded metal. And so uh, that breastplate was used uh, to ensure uh, safety uh, even in hand-to-hand combat because in hand-to-hand combat, uh, every once in a while, uh, a, uh, a knife or a blade of some sort would, or a spear that was being wielded in hand-to-hand combat would come in and, and uh, seek to penetrate, and that breastplate would protect those organs and it deflect it. But also, while uh, the soldiers in hand-to-hand combat, there might be an arrow that comes from another direction, another enemy that he's unaware of at some distance uh, could shoot an arrow and... Uh, kill him while he's in hand-to-hand combat. So it was important to have that breastplate uh, uh, upon 
the soldier, the breastplate of righteousness really refers for the Christian as right living with God. Righteousness is living right with God and having a right relationship with God. And uh, it protects the heart and the bowels, as I talked about just a moment ago. Uh, it says in the Bible, as man thinketh in his... What? What's the verse say? As man thinketh in his head? No. As man thinketh in his brain? No. As man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so that that goes that lends to that understanding of the fact that in uh, the time of of the writing of Paul, he the heart was seen as the seat of thinking. Uh, the heart of man is, he says, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Thinking is associated with the heart, and emotions are uh, considered a part of the bowels. Whenever. A Israelite would hear of some terrible news. It said, the Bible talks about uh, moving ba- your bowels, and it's not talking about having to go to the bathroom. It's talking about how that that awful feeling in your stomach whenever you hear bad news, like a family member has passed away. Uh, and, and remember, the Israelites, what they would do is they take the hem of the robe and they would tear that robe uh, and to show their sorrow and. And the bowels were associated with emotions because it was like getting kicked in the stomach whenever you would hear about someone very close to you dying or or having uh, something bad happen to them. Uh, Satan wants to attack and win over our thinking and our emotions. And so that's why it's important for us to have the breastplate of righteousness because the area of attack that Satan has against the Christian is is that he'll seek to uh, confuse you and cause you to not understand the the Scripture or uh, he'll seek to, to bring in feed in uh, your mind with all kinds of false information to cloud your mind with false doctrine and lies and untruths and cause you to think uh, things that are not true. And by distorting the truth in your mind, you're not listening to and, and following the truth of God's Word. You're not allowing God's Word to to lead you and guide you. And, and by listening to the false truths of mankind, the false truths that are out there, uh, He seeks to to lead you astray. And then Satan will attack <coughs> your emotions to pervert your affections. And that's another area of attack. Uh, if he's not attacking your knowledge and understanding of God's uh, truths in your life, he, he seeks to tell you lies like, well, it, it won't matter if you look at that thing on the Internet. It, it won't matter if you uh, uh, look at that girl over there uh, that's in your office. It won't matter if you uh, allow yourself to have uh, that lust within your heart. You have to protect your mind and protect your emotions from the attack of Satan. He'll try to confuse you and distract you with, with lust and desires and drives and affections and feelings uh, to carry you away from the most important uh, love that you are to have in your heart and your life, and that's the love with, of Jesus Christ, your love of God, and, and for you to understand and know the significance of 
the love of God upon your life, what God has done for you and the love that He's poured out for you in Jesus Christ, that love that He has given you when you are focused on His love, when you're focused on His sacrifice for your sins, and when you are focused on uh, that wonderful gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, it's hard for you to, to be willing to, uh, to, to sin against God, to go against God, but if He's able to cloud your mind with the lust and the desires of this world, the, the cares and the concerns of this world, to, to pull you away from the, uh, with the affections of this world, then He can pervert your mind and say, He can tell you the, the, the falsehood that, oh, it won't matter just this one time. Oh, nobody's looking. Oh, nobody will know. Those are all uh, lies that Satan tries to feed you to t- help you to, uh, to sin against God. Satan wants to snatch you away from the truth of God's Word and to fill your mind with the lust of, of, of this world. So we're to live our life in His righteousness. We're to live our life in the righteousness of God. Well, there's several different kinds of righteousness that we need to be aware of. And it's important that we have the right righteousness. We can't have the wrong righteousness or else we'll, uh, we'll miss the mark. We'll miss what God's desire is for us. Uh, first of all, there's self-righteousness. That's the kind of the righteousness of the world. The world says uh, it, you know, in their heart, you know, I'm not a really a bad person. I don't go out here and rob the bank. I don't go out here and murder people. I don't go out here and, and steal from my neighbor uh, uh, his, from his shed and take his, his riding mower or anything like that. I'm a pretty good person. I, I, I work hard. I, I, I pay for everything that I've got. And I, I'm a pretty good person. I'm faithful to my wife. I do everything I can for my family. That's self-righteousness that says, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm a good person. And when you go to somebody in the world... When you go to somebody that's not aware of, of who they are as a, a sinner and God has, has uh, been working on their heart to convict them of their sin and help them to understand and know uh, the truth of His love and the fact that they need a, a Savior and the fact that they need uh, Jesus Christ in their life, uh, they uh, reject that and they don't think about that. They've been uh, filled with concerns of this world, the lusts of this world, the things that that people, the mankind says is important and, and makes them feel good. And so they, when a Christian comes and says, you know, you need a Savior, you need Jesus Christ in your life, they say, well, I'm a good person. I'll get to he- when I get to heaven, I'm going I'm to tell uh, God, you know, I'm a pretty good uh, fella. I've done the best I can, and I'm going to make it in on my own. Remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and uh, he said, uh, Teacher, uh, tell me what I must do to inherit the kingdom. And Jesus told him, He says, love, your, uh, uh, love God with all your heart, uh, soul, and your mind. And, uh, love your enemy uh, as yourself. Uh, be obedient to, and respectful to your parents. Don't steal. Don't take uh, the things that are your neighbors. And He says, you know, I've done all that from my youth. I, Jesus, I've done that since I was a little tyke. And Jesus said to him, one last thing you like. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And he left depressed and and dejected, right? Because uh, Jesus told the disciples later, he, he left that way because he's a man of great wealth. 
And it's hard for a rich man to get, inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because a rich man has as his God his money and his possessions. All the, thing that's, all the things that he has, that's what owns his heart. Jesus was saying, but you've got to give your heart and life to God. You have to have God first and foremost in your life. The riches of this world, the things of this world, the possessions of this world, all the things that the world treasures and, and having a, a, a fancy a, a jewelry and having fa- a big home and, and fancy cars and all that. Uh, God says, look, all of that is the God to the rich man. The rich man, you know, most he's talking about rich men in general. He's saying the rich man is has a hard time coming into heaven. Why? Because his God is his wealth, his possessions, the things that he has. What we have to understand is that righteousness. Uh, that rich young ruler thought he had all the righteousness he needed. He, he thought he was doing everything he should have done. But in his heart, he was lusting after the things of the world, after possessions, after things. He was giving himself completely to the things of this world. Jesus says, you, you have to get rid of all of that and then come and follow me. We can't... We can't have for ourselves a self-righteousness, a self-righteousness that believes that we're good enough to make it into heaven. Luke chapter 18 verse 9 is, a, is another parable that Jesus uh, tells about a, a, a Pharisee that goes into the temple. And then there is a, a publican who's weeping and pouring out his heart. <coughs> not even able to lift his eyes in his prayer. He's beating his chest saying, forgive me. Pleading for forgiveness. And the Pharisee goes in and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like that publican over there. I fast twice a week. I give alms to the poor. I do everything I'm supposed to do. I keep the law. God, thank you that I'm not like him. Jesus says the, uh, the publican's the one that went out closer to God because he wasn't seeing all the things that he was doing and saying, oh, I'm good enough. He was saying, I, everything that I've done is I'm not deserving of your love. I'm not deserving of your forgiveness. And we need to be in the same understanding that all that we are, everything that we do, our righteousness is not good enough. Romans uh, 3.10 says, No one's righteous, no not one. So we need to avoid self-righteousness. Then there's, secondly, the righteousness of Christ. Philippians 3.7 Paul, you know, he he's talking to the church at Philippi and the Philippians, and he's there's been a, a battle between who is uh, following the right person, the right one, and Paul's kind of been besmirched by uh, some of the people there at the church at Philippi. And Paul says, look, if you want to talk about people that have done everything they should, he says, I'm a, I am a, a, a Hebrew of Hebrews. From a very young age, Paul sat at the feet of a 
of, of a wonderful Hebrew teacher, a Hebrew scholar, and was uh, able to go through uh, all of his young childhood learning at the feet of this scholar. And he uh, became a Pharisee. He says that in, in terms of, of steadfastness, of commitment, he says, I was a Pharisee and I did everything I was supposed to do. I even persecuted the saints, that I persecuted the ones that I thought were going away from God. He says, I, I, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, but I count it all as dung, as trash, as uh, refuse, because it's not my righteousness. He says, Paul says, my righteousness is useless, but Christ has given me His righteousness. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I count loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all, th- of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, verse 9, which is of the law, but uh, that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made comfortable unto His death. Conformable unto His death. If by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul was telling his, the church at Philippi, look, the righteousness of Christ that comes when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the righteousness of Christ, His blood being poured over my life. Uh, and when God looks at my life, when God looks at me, it's not my accomplishments, it's not my righteousness that He sees, but the righteousness of the one and only Jesus Christ, the only one who is able to pay for our sins, the only one who is able to atone for us. His righteousness is the righteousness that God sees. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made whole, that we might be made righteous in Him. So this is imputed righteousness. God sees Christ's righteousness in us. This is righteousness that's given to us because of the gift of Jesus Christ, His gift on the cross for us. But that's not the only... uh, righteousness that we need to have. The last righteousness is is the uh, righteousness that is practical righteousness. Philippians 3, 10 through 14 says after Paul goes through all of that and, and Paul talks about the righteousness that God gives us, he says, but I still press on. I still press on. What he's talking about is, is he says, I still struggle day in and day out to have the righteousness of God in my life. I learn. I do all that I can. I study God's Word. I do all that I can. 
to daily apply His Word. He says, If by any means I might attain the righteousness unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count it not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are far behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the praise of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I press on. I press on to have a righteousness that comes from study, from application of God's Word, of living and walking in the light and, and growing closer and closer to God, of having His precious forgiveness in my life. The breastplate is on when we are living a righteous and holy life. And the standard of that which we must live is Jesus Christ Himself. The breastplate of righteousness is living a life of, be, of service to God, living a life of being devoted to Him, living a life of learning and understanding the righteousness of Jesus Christ in our life and applying it and pressing on till that day in which we see Him face to face. That's the righteousness that we need. The righteousness of Jesus Christ and the righteousness of applying His Word in our life daily, working to growing in Him. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that You'd help us to have Your righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, of being prepared and ready, of service to You, of being devoted to You, of living for You, and, and allowing uh, Your precious blood to cover our life. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to be more like Christ each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.